0: Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, amen. I pray you're ready for the Word today. You might be hungry for lunch, but this is the best food you can eat this morning, even on Mother's Day. Uh, No matter which restaurant or how good the restaurant might claim they are, Uh, Today, I'm going to bring a message entitled, Don't Look Back. Don't look back. And we're going to be looking at the story found in Ruth chapter 1. And we don't have time. I would love to speak on all four chapters this morning because the story is incredible. Uh, But I'm going to keep to my promise. I have 40 minutes, and I know with God's help, we'll make it to the end on time. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Come on, if you're going to say amen to something, say amen to that. All right. Now you have to be louder than that in the preaching. That's the one rule we're going to make today. Uh, But in Ruth chapter 1, I'm just going to give you a bit of context before we jump straight to the verse where we're going to read from. But this is during the time where judges ruled. So there were no kings yet. After the book of Judges and Ruth, then we get to where the kings, the era of kings, started with King Saul and then King David. So, this is the era where judges ruled, and a famine came upon the land. And this is the first recorded famine encountered by Israel since entering the promised land in Canaan. So for about 800 years, everything was good in the promised land. And now suddenly, there is the first recorded famine that we have. And so the setting is in Bethlehem in Judah. And and actually, the irony of it is Bethlehem means house of bread but on this particular day, there was no more bread because they were in famine. So there was a drought. There was no food. And so there is a man named Elimelech who takes his wife, and her name is Naomi, and they have two sons. And they leave the promised land and head to Moab, which was about 25 miles away. It's not too far, but they had left. And so we learn in chapter 1, verse 3, we're not reading there yet, but Elimelech ends up dying while they're there in Moab. And Naomi, though, still has her two sons. Her two sons, during that time, end up marrying uh, two Moabite women. And one is named Orpah. If you read it quickly, it looks like Oprah. Uh, But not to be confused, it's Orpah. And then the second one is Ruth. And What happens though, 10 years go by, they're still in Moab. And then both of Naomi's sons die. So let's just take a quick look at Naomi. They're in the promised land, famine hits, they leave, her husband dies, but she has two sons. Her two sons, they get married, not to the Israelite ladies, but to two Moabites, Orpah and Ruth. Now her two sons die. And what happens is she gets word now that God has blessed Judah once again. R- remember their homeland? So, Bethlehem, there's bread again in Bethlehem. God has blessed them. The famine is over. So, she gets wind of this and she's weighing her options. Should I stay here or should I go? See, for, let let's understand a few things. Naomi is without her husband and she's without her two sons. This was her reality. Number one, she had no means of livelihood. And number two, she had no hope for the future either. Because after your husband dies, the widow would depend on her son's provision to take care of her. So she's weighing all this and says, you know what, God has blessed our hometown again. We're going to go back. And, and we read in Scripture, we're not there yet. We're going to read it and pick it up in a bit. But listen to this. Let's look at her, her daughter-in-laws, right? Unless Orpah and Ruth would remarry, they had a similar future in front of them as well. They're, they were widows, young widows. And so in verse 6, Naomi does get that word. She hears about the blessing. And following Eastern customs, Naomi's two daughters-in-law... Accompany her, and they set out on the road that would take them back to Judah. Just before we start reading at verse 8, I want to share this interesting fact with you. James E. Smith, in his book titled The Books of History, says that of Ruth, one of the unusual features of the book of Ruth is that 55 of the 85 verses in the book are dialogue. Dialogue. So what really draws us into the story is a dialogue. It's like watching a movie. So I encourage you, we're just looking at chapter one today, and I'll just summarize the rest. But if you like a good story, go home and read the other three chapters, because it is interesting and it's intriguing. If you like drama, this, this is it. It's great. And there's a love story intertwined in all of that, and we're going to get to that in a second. But let's pick up reading at verse 8 of chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, would you stand with me if you're able to? We're going to read Ruth chapter 1 beginning at verse 8. Right? So now they're on the road back to where they came from originally. It's been about 10 years and here's what it says in verse 8. But on the way Naomi said to her daughters to her two daughters-in-law "'Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. "'May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage.' "'And then he, she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept.'" Men, no comments, because they were crying, okay? Okay. Verse 10 No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I'm too old to marry again. And even if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? You would wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But, here it is, Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. And I love what she says here. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her... She said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. So when they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The woman asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. And let's just read one more verse, verse 1 of chapter 2. Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, And we'll stop right there and let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray, not just the ladies in the house today, but everyone who hears this message today would be encouraged. Father, I thank you that you have an ability to take us from the worst of situations to make it into one of the best outcomes possible. And today, Father, I pray that we would just fix our eyes on you. And Father, we would trust you through the journey and through the process. Lord, I thank you and help us to not look back. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. And I just want to walk you through a little bit of this encounter with Naomi and her two daughters-in-law. Because one goes back... But the other doesn't. And I just want to point out a few things as we unpack this message today. In verses 8 and 9, we read that Naomi urges them to go back to their respective parental homes. Go go back to your parents. Like, let me deal with my bitterness now. And I just want to clarify one thing. Naomi blamed God for all of her suffering. And... I want, I want to be very clear, it's not from God. God would allow us to go through some of these hard times. But see, what happened in this story, we have to look back at the beginning. They left, what? The promised land. They left during famine. And they thought, let us go look. And there's nothing wrong with that per se. But you can't get upset at God for decisions that you have made. Right, so it doesn't say that the spirit led them out of Bethlehem to go to Moab. No, it just said there's famine, and they decided to go. And so she experienced some trouble in Moab. She lost her husband, she lost her two sons, but she had two daughter-in-law still. And on the journey back, now she's saying, "No, go, like go. I'm. Don't even call me Naomi, which, by the way, means pleasant." She said. Call me Mara, which means bitter. And this was the taste that Naomi had left in her mouth because she blamed God for what happened. I want you to know that death is a result of sin. Can I hear an amen? Right? God didn't say, I'm going to allow you to die. No, it's, it's a result of sin. Not, not necessarily your sin. Adam and Eve. It goes back to the garden. Adam and Eve, and it said, through one man, Adam, sin, entered the world. Guess what? Out of that experience, that's why we have sickness also today. Not because you sinned, you're sick, because of Adam's sin. Sickness and death entered the world. But thank God he sent us who? Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus is the antidote or the remedy. Through one man, sin entered. But through another man, Jesus, we find our healing. And we find salvation for our souls. We find eternity where we will live forever in his presence. This is the beautiful picture. And so Naomi is saying, call me Mara now. And she's telling her daughters, don't stick with me. Like, I'm going to deal with my bitterness. But you you still have time to live a life. And so Their first response is no. Their first response is no, we're not going to do that. But then Naomi continues to give all the reasons why. She's saying, I can't provide you with two more sons. And what, you're going to wait for them to grow up, even if I do have two babies? And, you know, it just doesn't make sense. The numbers and the years don't work out. So she says, Go. And here's where we read in Scripture that, Orpah, I have to keep reminding myself it's not Oprah. Orpah says, you know what? Maybe in her mind she says, you're right. I'm just gonna I'm gonna go back. And she kissed. They 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 weep. It is an emotional moment. It's not that feelings were disconnected and removed from this uh, encounter this this experience as they were going back. But they just realized, so Orpah said, you know what, I'm going to take your advice, uh, and I'm going to just go, I'm going to, that's some good wisdom there. But I love what scripture says, and how it describes Ruth's response to that whole thing. And we read it back in verse 14, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. You see, Naomi's advice was common sense, we can all see that, right? Um... She shared her reasoning about that. And and the verb that is sorry, the verb is that same as that used of marriage for Ruth, how she clung tightly in Genesis 224. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, right? And then it says that he shall cleave unto his wife. The, the two become one. This is the same language that Ruth is saying in Scripture. When, when she clung to Naomi, she was basically saying, no, where you go, I go. Your God will be my God, and I will die where you die. And she was showing us her commitment to her mother-in-law. By the way, I think that's a great prayer as a believer that we, we can say to God, and give him our our commitment, our devotion, to say, Lord, wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. You see, you have to understand, Ruth was a Moabite. She wasn't from Judah, from Bethlehem. So what she was now telling Naomi, this was her confession of her commitment and her devotion, It was also her conversion because, you see, in Moab, they had other gods. One of them was Chemosh, and they demanded child sacrifice even. And among other ungodly things that you can imagine, um, they would have to do to to appease these gods. And Ruth was now saying, listen, Orpah, she went back to that because that's what they do in Moab. She went back to those gods, small g, but she was saying on this particular day to her mother-in-law, no, your God will be my God. Yahweh will be my God. And this is an important thing to note because she was not only giving her life in devotion to her, um, to her mother-in-law, but she was actually saying, no, I give my life to you, God, as well. And this is an important thing. The, re, the writer of the book of Ruth wanted us, no doubt, to know that this was an important conversion of also her heart in commitment to Yahweh as well. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, it tells us love is not self seeking. And Ruth, no doubt, um, had that same love for her mother in law and that devotion as she put Naomi's uh, care before her own personal interests. Can we say the same thing about Orpah? No. In fact, we don't even hear another word about Orpah from the moment they said goodbye and she leaves. But the rest of the book focuses on Ruth and her decision to not look back from where she came. And in verse 15, Naomi didn't accept Ruth's decision without a protest. And I believe it was more of a test. She's saying, if you're really going to do this, are you sure? And she says, no, 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 look, your sister-in-law went back to her people and to her gods, and you should do the same. And then Ruth says that statement that we just read, no, 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 where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. And what a beautiful picture of commitment. You see, Orpah, she's done. But Ruth now positioned herself to receive in a whole new way. And and I want to share a few of those in a moment. Um, But this declaration from Ruth, and your God will be my God, is actually the climax of chapter 1. It's not them leaving Moab, but it's actually Ruth's declaration of your God will be my God. You see, the beginning of the book starts with famine and death. We didn't read it, but it's, it's in the first six verses. But the end of the book looks forward with hope and promise. And you know who's at the center of, of all of that? Ruth. Ruth is at the center of hope and promise looking forward. And we're going to close today and you'll understand why. But though she was a foreigner, Ruth was selfless. She was loyal. She was faithful. And also she was industrious. And we're going to get to that. And she selflessly devoted herself To Naomi and the rest of the book shows us, and here are three points for you. The rest of the book shows us how God provided for Ruth in three special ways. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to to get ready and jot these down. But we read in in chapter 2, verse 1, Boaz is a wealthy and influential, God-fearing man. And he is a relative of her father-in-law. So let me just bring everyone up to speed and I'll share with you these three things that God provided for Ruth. They're coming back. It's Naomi and Ruth. They recognize her. They're excited to see her, but Naomi is not feeling good. She's saying, this this sucks. I'm bitter at God for all of this. But we read as they return that there is a man named Boaz, and he's a key figure that comes into play. You know why? Not just because he's wealthy, not just because he's rich, But especially because he's a relative of Elimelech, which is Naomi's deceased husband. This comes into play in a big way. So Naomi, number one, God provided Ruth, excuse me, not Naomi. God provided Ruth, number one, her physical needs. He made sure that her physical needs were looked after. And in chapter 2, you can read through it and see all of it. How? I'm just going to summarize it for you. But as a foreigner, she was able to go to the fields where they were harvesting barley. And it was about April. So if you think we're in the month of May, go back a few weeks. And she was showing up, and they're harvesting barley. As a foreigner, she was allowed, because of the law, to be able to go behind them and collect some stuff. I just want to show you in Scripture, Leviticus 19, verses 9 and 10 say say this, When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. Verse 10, It is the same with your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines, and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Here it is. Leave them for the poor... And the foreigners living among you, I am the Lord your God. So she shows up. I said she was industrious. This was one of the qualities about her. That she could have just sat there with Naomi and say, Boo-hoo, this is hard. We're alone, even though we're back. She said, no. Maybe she heard the whispers of the law. Because remember, she's a foreigner. But she would have been, you know, maybe someone said, hey. You can go, eh? Did you know you can go? Someone dropped her a hint, maybe. And so she says, you know what, Naomi? I'm, I'm going to go out. I'm going to find a field. And I'm just going to find a place where they allow me to just trail behind and collect some of this stuff. Well, guess which field she ends up going to. Boaz's field. Boaz. It was no coincidence. That was last week's message. It was no coincidence. But I believe God ordained it to be that way. And Boaz shows up, he's, he's the boss, uh, the owner rather, and he's, he's like, uh, so what's going on, how's the day going? By the way, who, who's that girl behind collecting all this grain, all the barley, who, who is she? And they say, oh, she's the one who showed up with Naomi, and they're, they're kind of going through this. And he, he takes note of her and takes an interest in her um, for a particular reason. But he, he's basically acknowledging Ruth there. He didn't ignore her, but he's asking her. And I just want to read out of Ruth chapter 2, verse 10. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly because he allowed her to do it. And she said, what have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. And, and listen to his response. In verses 11 and 12 of chapter 2, Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. And here's the blessing. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. You see, as he uh, spoke that blessing over her, Boaz himself was the one who would enable her to meet her physical needs for food. And she would take the grain and the barley, bring it back to Naomi, and they had plenty to eat. And you know what he said? Boaz even said to his workers, he goes, Hey, guys, I know it's just whatever falls, but he goes, throw some extra stuff for her to take up too. This was Boaz. Boaz is a type of Christ. And, and we get to know Boaz in the next point as kinsman redeemer. So, number one, how God provided for Ruth. God provided for Ruth's physical needs. Number two, God provided Ruth with a husband. Proverbs 19.22 says this, Loyalty makes a person attractive. Loyalty makes a person attractive attractive. And we just read that Boaz took note of what was going on, how loyal she was to her mother-in-law. And and loyalty makes a person attractive. Notice it has nothing to do with your appearance. It has to do with your character and the quality of the person that you are, the makeup of who you are. That is what actually is attractive to people, to, to your bosses even. And in this case, to your future husband, perhaps, or your future wife. Loyalty Makes a person attractive. And so God now gave Ruth a husband through in Boaz. And he was the kinsman redeemer. Let me explain what that means. The kinsman redeemer was a system that was set up that should they be in trouble or in distress and in need of being rescued, the closest blood relative was able to go and redeem Property and redeem the family or the people. Now, you can go on to read all of how that happened in chapter 3 and then into chapter 4. But the beautiful part is this. There was actually someone else, because remember, Boaz was, was related. But there was someone who was even closer in the bloodline. But through the working of God, it ended up that the other guy said, No, it's okay, Boaz. You could be the one. And so Boaz not only gets the property of Elimelech, but he also gets Ruth as his wife. And in a sense, though she was a foreigner, think of the picture of Christ. Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, but Jesus, our kinsman redeemer. Because he purchased us with his blood, right? We're bought with his blood. So now we all share that in common. We're bought with the blood of Jesus. And the beautiful picture is he redeemed you and he redeemed me so, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer, but for Ruth, it was Boaz. And he took her as that was his wife. And the beautiful thing, and we get to part three. You're saying, Pastor, you're already on your last point. Yes, this is the beautiful thing. God, prov- no, not that, what I'm going to share next. <laughs> but I'm glad you're with me. You're paying attention. Number one, we said God provided for Ruth's physical needs. Number two, God provided Ruth with a husband. But number three, God provided Ruth with a glorious heritage. Some of you might know the story, and I'm happy that you do. But you see, God brought honor to Ruth and to Boaz through their descendants. You see, uh, we have their, go to the next one where I have the names. So they have a baby. The baby's name is Obed. Obed eventually has a a baby named Jesse, and Jesse eventually has a baby named David. You see, so David was the king, and from that lineage, we can trace it all the way down to Jesus. And if you look in Matthew chapter 1, you find the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew takes time to record a whole bunch of it. You can look there, and you will find Boaz, and in brackets in my Bible, it says Ruth's name there. Listen she had no business she was a foreigner but Boaz redeemed her and he he said no you're you're going to be a part of this and listen it wasn't Boaz's plan it was God's plan it was God's plan so when we look at the genealogy we say wow Ruth who who maybe had no right to be a part of the lineage of Jesus was grafted in she was redeemed from where she came from into the family of Jesus, literally, through that lineage. And I don't know if you see yourself in the story today. But ladies, listen, you might relate with Naomi. You might feel the bitterness of Naomi just because of what life has dished you. Or you might feel like Ruth, where you know she started out at the bottom. Her husband died. She was a foreigner, but yet in her devotion, it wasn't self-seeking. She didn't know that she would be promoted. She didn't know that there would be a husband waiting for her. She didn't. All she said is, I am devoted. I am devoted. And guess what? Loyalty makes a person attractive. And I, I submit this, not just to the ladies, but to anyone who would hear today. Don't go chasing a blessing. Let God bring you to that. Who do you chase? We say it a lot. You chase Him. Be loyal to God. You want a husband? You want a wife? Be loyal to God. And he will bring you the right person. Stay in his presence. You know what? You can go out and look for a spouse. I, I would suggest spend time and, and envelop yourself in God's presence. And from that place, you should find someone. Don't go chasing things that God has never put in your path and a lot of times we we put ourselves on those paths stay in god's presence be committed be loyal even in your marriages be loyal i came from a week where a weekend whereas men we were challenged in our purity in our purity in our devotion to our wives i She's listening, but I said to Priscilla, I was gone Friday and Saturday. She had the kids, and I know today's Mother's Day. She even made the sauce. Like She's such a good wife and mother. And I just get to show up and eat a wonderful, uh, wonderful Sunday lunch. But I said, tonight, as tired as I know I'll be, because I usually am exhausted by 4 p.m. on a Sunday, I said, I'm going to make it all up to you. And uh, go to bed, because i got to take care of mommy now. And, and I need to make sure that she knows I love her. I love her. And I'm devoted and I'm committed to her. Listen, I love this story because think of Ruth's trajectory. She, she didn't deserve it, but she wasn't even chasing it. But in her willingness to be selfless, in her willingness to just say, like, I, I care for, for you more than I care for myself. I want you to know God sees the sacrifice. And God is the rewarder as well. And the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so we need to be devoted in our marriages, in our relationships, absolutely. But it's also in our commitment to God. And I want to encourage you today, like, don't come late to church. And I'm not here picking at anyone I just want to encourage you, you're not showing loyalty to me, you're showing loyalty to him. Why? As we begin to lift up the name of Jesus, the Bible says that he will draw all men unto him. So we have to understand as we begin to worship together as a family, that there's something God wants to do in the collective gathering of his church that we miss out on. So let's be loyal as a church family together. Let's show up on time for the meal. We offer him the worship, and we, we get fed the word. It's a, an exchange that takes place. You, you come in with a spirit of heaviness, but you trade it for the joy of the Lord, and then you, you, you float out of church as light as a feather. Don't be loyal to me at Weston Road. Be loyal to God. Be loyal to doing the work of the kingdom. And I, I truly believe with all of my heart that, that God is waiting and he's ready to move in this place. Um, and I feel, I just want to share a bit of my heart and then we're going to close. We, we're good on time. But I believe that as we become honest and real in ministry, in our ministry to one another, that we will create new opportunities for God to show up and to move. You know, I could have... Even with Mother's Day, I could have said, no, ladies, we're just going to pray. Just stay in your seat. And I even asked my wife, I was like trying to decipher, but I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want for this service? And I just felt God wanted to do something together here at the altar. Now, when I pray for healing, that God, I believe that God is going to do it. And I don't want us to shy away from, from these kind of sensitive things. But we need to be, we, we approach them with sensitivity. But I believe that as we become the church God wants us to see, we are going to see things in our church that we've never seen God do before. As we are faithful, we are loyal. I mean, God is more faithful and more loyal to us. And he is, Jesus is the kinsman redeemer. And he's still in the business of, of snatching people out of the fires of hell. And you see, for Ruth, I believe that she must have felt a lot like that. I'm a stranger in this land. But yet, God has called me now one of his own and he's blessed me to that point. You might even be a foreigner, not born or raised in Canada, but now this is home or maybe you still call it home like this and because your heart is not here even though your body is here. You're, you, you, know, you still think about how it was better at home perhaps or maybe how you're just struggling to find a footing here in Canada. I just want to encourage you. to to put all your trust in God, to lean on him and and say, God, where you lead me, I will follow. And if God led you here, know that he won't leave you here. God is with you every step of the way. You see, Ruth didn't go back to what was familiar. She stepped out in faith and walked into the unknown. Are you willing to do that? If God calls you and leads you are you willing to do that and then lastly her courage brought her to her divine destiny don't look back would you stand to your feet with me today In the name of jesus thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord, thank you, lord. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you for this, this example of Naomi and Ruth. Lord, how Lord, I just I pray that we wouldn't march out on our own will and leave the promised land, the place where you called us to be, just because times got tough. Lord, for as we understand this story, Lord, though the famine hit Bethlehem, once again, they had plenty. They had, they had bread in the house. Lord, today, if there's anyone even here within the sound of my voice who, who just feels restless, who feels like they need to, to change or just, just do something, they need some. Lord, I pray that you would just cause them to stop for a second And just ask you, God, are you leading me to do this? Is it you or is it me? Father, I I thank you that when you lead us, where you guide, you also provide. And Lord, I thank you how you did it for Ruth. You provided for her every physical need. Lord, how you even provided for the need of a husband, her emotional needs. But Lord, also you restored and you gave her a legacy that ties all the way to Jesus. And Father, today there might be people who don't feel like they should be here. But God, you've sent your Son that we can call ourselves a family. We are baptized into the family of God by the working of your Holy Spirit. And so Lord, I thank you that there's a plan and a purpose For every individual that is here today. Lord, I can't know it, but you do. So I simply ask that you would reveal your plan and your purpose for every single person that is here. Lord, I I pray that we would not look back. Lord, I think of Israel who looked back and thought Egypt was better than the promised land. How wrong they were. So Lord, help us to embrace the, the season and the space that you have led us to or that you are leading us to. And Father, even as a church, Lord, I know the work is still in front of us, the greater work. And Lord, I pray step by step that you would provide for our every need as a church. Lord, I I thank you for everyone who calls Weston home. Lord, I pray as we go today, not just a blessing over the moms or the ladies of Weston, but Lord, every single person who made an effort to come to church today. Lord, only you know how much effort it took. Lord, only you know the obstacles that, that they've climbed to be here today. And Lord, I pray that as your word has gone out, Lord, your word says that it will never return void, but it will always accomplish that which you set it out to accomplish. So, Father, today, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that it would be a seed that is planted in the soil of our lives. That, Lord, it would begin to germinate and you would cause it to grow. And, Lord, we will remember your faithfulness. Lord, help us to be a faithful and loyal people. Help us to be a committed people, Lord, to you, but also to your church and in the mission of the church. And Father, I thank you that you're not done yet. Lord, that the greatest work and the greatest harvest is still in front of us. And Lord, I just pray that you would send all the workers that we need. For you said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers into into the field because the fields are ripe and ready. And so, Father, prepare us to get ready to go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit accompany us on our way in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.